On this episode of Unleashed in Marketing, the talk, What Makes You Different, that I did for the Marketing Forum 2007. This is the Unleashed on Marketing podcast with Gary Bembridge. In each podcast, I draw on over 25 years of experience to look at what we can learn from a new trend, marketing or advertising campaign, or anything else that caught my eye. Visit GaryBembridge.com to contact me. But now, it's time to get unleashed on marketing. This is a world where you and your competitors are largely selling products with similar benefits and features. And this is a world where the fragmentation of media makes it tougher to get your message to consumers. It's a world where brand owners find their trade customers are not only their access to consumers, but increasingly their biggest competitors. This is a world where you need to think about how you can ensure that you're building a long-term competitive advantage based on a unique, different, but relevant and compelling offer to your consumers or customers. In order to do this, in this short talk, I'm going to talk about what few key things you should be doing to make you different enough to generate value and long-term growth in today's competitive marketplace. I was very pleased to be asked to go to the marketing forum and talk on the topic of what makes you different. It's a topic that I'm very, very passionate about and I have a huge amount of interest in. And during the session, I'm hoping to convince you that there's one key starting point about being different successfully and that brands that are doing it best are the ones that are successful today. And they all start with this one key thing. But before I get on to that, I thought it would be important to start by defining what being different actually means. Now, I wanted to avoid using a, a dictionary uh, definition because I thought that wouldn't be different enough. Everybody does that. So I thought I would try and find out what great philosophers and thinkers think on this particular subject. So what I did is I, I typed what makes you different into Google to see what great thinkers it would it would actually throw up and what their answer to this deep and meaningful question, what makes you different, would be. Now, I clicked the I'm feeling lucky button. Now, if you're not familiar with this option, this is supposed to take you to the best result or the most accurate result for any search. So I did that. Now, I have to admit that I did not get exactly what I'd expected. Now, on the next on the next. Um, few minutes, I'll reveal the group of thinkers that Google provided as the best answer to the question of what makes you different. And probably like you, you'll be surprised because the answer it came up with was the Backstreet Boys. Yes, the best answer to the question, what makes you different according to Google, lies in the wisdom of the 1980s, 1990s boy band, the Backstreet Boys. Now, at first I was kind of amused. I was actually a little bit disturbed that my search not pulled up anything a little bit more academic. But in the end, I decided this may actually be different enough and a different enough way of starting the, the talk. And so I went along with it and was actually pleasantly surprised. In fact, Google had suggested that I actually seek an answer in the Backstreet Boys song called What Makes You Different? And this is what the line, the first line from the song, the Backstreet Boys, What Makes You Different, said. It says... You don't run with the crowd, 
you go your own way. You don't run with the crowd, you go your own way. And this actually, all joking apart, is a great definition of what makes you different. But there is one potential problem with not running with the crowd and going your own way. You may end up being different for the sake of being different. So how do you make sure that you don't run with the crowd and that you go your own way in a way that ensures you are meaningful, ensures you are relevant, and ensures that you're competitive, meaningful, relevant, and competitive, in a way that makes sure that you will succeed. So what do I, what do I actually believe? Now, my observation is that marketeers do not spend enough time thinking about being different, as being the same is the easiest and least risky approach in the short term. In reality, we all get trapped into spending more time reacting to our competition and short-term events than focusing on ourselves and what makes us distinctive and different to our target customers or consumers. We know how it goes. The competition puts out a claim saying they get rid of, I don't know, acne and spots in two days. So we get one out saying we do it in less time. They cut their price and so we do, etc., etc. I believe, however, that fundamentally you, we, are selling the same products or the same services as your competition. Fundamentally, they're the same. And so you need to find a long-term competitive advantage in everything you do that's driven by a core brand belief that's intriguing and relevant to your target. This is what will drive you to be distinctive. Now, brand belief, what do I mean by brand belief? By brand belief, I mean something that you believe in as a brand that resonates with consumers. It's something more than just your benefits and features. It's something much more fundamental. And I'll explain this a little bit later because this is what I hope to cover in the session today. I want to share with you some thoughts on how to ensure that while you're not running with the crowd, while you're going your own way, you can ensure that you're going the way that the consumer or the customer ultimately loves and loves you for. Now, about five or six weeks ago when I was pulling together my thoughts and preparing for this particular talk, I was wrestling with the best way of bringing alive and illustrating the point in a way that would also be different and importantly relevant for as much of, of, of the marketing audience as possible. Now, the risk with doing any presentation or talk on brands is that so often people tend to use the familiar large or admire brands like Apple, like Virgin, and like Nike. Now, this can be frustrating for the audience, as they sometimes seem to not provide the exact relevance you're looking for, as you try and see how you can apply some of these brand approaches when you're running, say, a small brand in a small private company, or even a medium-sized brand in a large company. Now, lots of stories and anecdotes about what these brands do can be interesting and inspiring, and I'll come back to them later, as we'll see that if you simplify down the secret of their brand success. It is actually very relevant and very applicable to everybody. But I I wanted to find something to start with that would be less grand, less well-known, to first illustrate my points and hopefully show how the idea can apply to anyone on any brand and, and any category before coming back to these brands. I wanted something different, in other words. I wanted to use an example of something that was new even to me, and that I thought would really be a different approach. If something new to me, I could kind of test out my theories. And then I went on a weekend away to stay with my partner's family on the Devon and Dorset border. Now, in the morning at breakfast time, I actually got very excited as I I found a great example to use to illustrate my point in in this session. When I looked in the cupboard where um, my uh, my partner's parents kept their cereals, I saw them with a very standard and and similar-looking boxes of cornflakes and Rice Krispies. Some were probably branded, some were probably supermarket-owned brand, as they all seemed to look 
the same these days. And if you just think of an image of the typical supermarket shelf in the cereal section, you'll know exactly what I mean. But there in the in the cupboard was something that I had never seen before. And the minute I saw it, I knew I had an example. And what I saw was a brand called uh, Dorset Cereals. And if you want to see a picture of that, you can actually take a look um, in the uh, as the album art for this particular episode. We can go to the blog and, and look for what makes you different and, and the show notes um, for this episode. But there on the shelf in the cupboard was a brand that was new to me, and it screamed out, I am different. And it was Dorset Cereals. Now, not only does the Dorset Cereal pack look different, it looks very different to everything else, but the minute I picked, it, picked up the pack and started to interact with it, it confirmed that I had indeed found a great example to use because there on the pack were the magic words that give away the one thing that, in my view, is the starting point and drives being different successfully. And the magic words there on the pack are the words we believe. This is what they actually say they believe. We believe that life really is too short to settle for second best and that simple, honest pleasures are often the most rewarding. So I'll say that again. We believe that life really is too short to settle for second best and that simple, honest pleasures are often the most rewarding. Now, using Dorset cereals and the range of other brands at various stages of the development, I want to try and show to you why I believe that a brand belief can be the starting point to, to transforming your brand and how it can drive making you different and make you more competitive. We'll see how it, it can act as a catalyst to inspiring creativity and innovation and ensuring not only are you different, but you create this kind of connection with your consumers and, and or custom, customers. Now, notice that this we believe statement is not explicitly about cereals. It's not explicitly even about breakfast. It's a much bigger idea, a bigger take on the world around us. And we'll see how... This is very important to creating a brand belief. You know, so many brand beliefs that I see are really about the product, and they're not really about a brand belief. They're about um, something much closer to the product. Now, when I got back um, to the office after this weekend away, I did some investigation on the brand and, and, and found that it was going to be a good example. Now, let me explain a little bit about this brand. The brand used to look like any other ordinary muesli packet. It was a plastic kind of bag with some old-fashioned muesli writing on and this was only in 2005, you know, so that's about two short years ago. And something happened that really transformed it. Now, the brand at the time, you know, acted and looked like just about every other whole food muesli, good for you kind of brand. But what happened and what can we learn from it? How did it get, you know, from that that very ordinary thing into something that, that's, that's very different? Now, the brand actually grew 25% in its first year of, of this change, and it sold in over 60 countries. It won the Queen's Export Awards and, and, and other awards. The brand was established in 1985, I discovered. And in 2005, the brand was acquired by a management buy-in team backed by private equity firm Langholm capital and this is when things changed the new team did one major thing that changed everything and made them different they started by creating something inspiring that would drive everything about the brand they created and adopted a brand belief that's the one i showed you earlier that they have in their packs now what's significant about this what's significant is they adopted a brand belief that was inspiring first and foremost brand beliefs are inspiring for the people who work on the brand employees and partners now imagine you're working on Dorset cereals, and the management come and say, right, from tomorrow, I don't want you to work on cereals. I don't want you to think about working on cereals. I want you to work on thinking about how we're going to create and how we're going to sell one of life's little pleasures 
to go along with consumers' other healthy, simple pleasures. So don't just think about making cereal. Don't just think about this. Think about turning this into one of life's great little pleasures. That is a much more liberating, a much more motivating, a much more exciting thing to do. Of course, at the end of the day, they're thinking about how that applies to cereals. But it's just a much more inspiring piece. And I believe that this kind of belief will create innovation, it creates ideas, and you should expect something unusual like packaging to emerge. You know, asking your people to create one of life's little pleasures will inspire them to be creative, to be innovative, to be distinctive, to be different. So let's have a look at actually what the brand belief in this case helped in, in terms of how did they actually go around and what do we see, you know, them creating this, uh, you know, our greatest pleasures, our life's simple everyday pleasures. Well, first of all, it, it really drove a very much more distinctive and different product experience. We've seen what's happened to the packaging. They want to create something that just look different, something that's more pleasurable, something that's, that, that is about life's little pleasures. It doesn't look like everything else. Now, the product itself was already good, I've heard, and I'm not sure how much they've even changed the product formula. But the belief and proposition seem to give them much clearer product philosophy they're much clearer about this cereal has to be look and feel and act like a, you know a, an everyday pleasure, and you know if you take a look at the, the products, you know it takes a bowl of cereal into something much more emotional, much more rewarding, much more passionate. It becomes more a story about indulging and being a pleasure than just another bowl of healthy cereal. Now, if you look at the product here in the bowl, and, and if you ever looked at the product in the bowl, it, it does look very different. It's much chunkier. It's got much more fruit. It just looks much more richer and, and indulgent. But even if you look at how they, they expand that onto their products, so for example, this is a flakes product. One of their breakfast flakes. At Dorset Cereals, we believe, remember, the we believe thing? We believe a healthy lifestyle isn't just about what you eat. It's also about enjoying the simple things in life. So always a sense of, about belief. The moments that take you out of the daily routine, like the sound of a breeze stirring in the treetops, a game of beach rounders, or the taste of the figs and grapes in these natural life flakes. But look at how they take it on and they start building this idea of simple pleasures. They introduced cereal bars recently. And look how they link to this idea. As we believe that life is too short to settle for second best, but not so short you have to miss breakfast, we've launched two delicious chunky slices. These are high, handy on-the-go versions, etc., etc. So again, the sense of belief, you know, it's not too short. Always coming back to a sense of we believe. And the belief is about creating one of life's little pleasures. It even shows up in the way they talk and communicate their products. You know, it's so much easier to write and be inspiring when you're trying to not just write about another serial. It also helps you drive a distinctive communication experience. You know, they have the sense of, you know, life's simple pleasures. And if you go to, say, their website, you'll see that... Now, this is a small brand. It doesn't advertise on television. So it uses product. It uses PRs. It uses placing products in the right context where they can actually bring alive the little pleasures. So actually, it probably even works better without a television, the sense of little pleasures. They don't try and take the big boys on by running straight onto them in their TV mass, mass market approach. What they do is they, they find interesting ways. So, for example... It, it, they have a, a, um, every day they have a simple pleasure, something, a suggestion about some simple pleasure. They ask consumers to send in photographs and examples of simple pleasures. They, they sponsor events, sort of um, like uh, festivals, where they go and sample products in the right kind of context. Um, they have a, 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 a screensaver that you can download that talks about daily pleasures. So all sorts of things that they do kind of keep building on a sense of of you know daily pleasure then once you get into the into the store at this case their distinctive shopper experience is more around the packs and what the packs look like 
and they stand out. But you could imagine them saying to their customer guys and their trade partners, right, we want to bring alive, we want to bring into the store a sense of daily pleasures. How do we do that? You can just see how it would be so much more innovative than just saying, right, we have another serial promotion. But probably what's important, or probably most important about having a brand belief is is you should expect um, to get passion from your consumers because, you know, response is what you want. If you have a belief, you're actually more likely to engage with consumers on an emotional level other than just a rational level. They used to sell great cereal, I'm sure, and that was fine. But what they've done now is they're not only selling great cereal, but selling a whole experience which is different. Now, I've already mentioned um, that reports I've read that they grew 25% in their first year after doing this, but they got a, a, a much more emotional reaction um, because they're as passionate the consumers. And for example, I just went searching on the internet um, for Dorset cereals, and I came across things like Flickr. Now, if you don't know Flickr, it's a photo sharing site. And actually, on Flickr, you've got people who've posted pictures of Dorset cereal, them interacting with Dorset cereals, and commenting on them. You know, for example, this one here, I found one photograph with a, with a lady holding pack saying, I eat the musical because I like the packaging. I love Dorset cereals. And then this, you know, I've got another, which is um, lots of people discussing the packaging, discussing Dorset cereals, saying how fantastic they are. They get a response. So through having a brand belief um, and doing more than just selling cereals, they're not only exciting and innovating their people to come up with a much more distinctive product experience, which you see through the product and the packaging around life's pleasures. We see it much more in communication, a much more single-minded sense around communicating life's little pleasures, of which cereal is part of that. And thirdly, in the store, they have different ways of doing it. But importantly, they then get consumers reacting and getting excited. Now, let's explore this a little bit more and come back to some of those other examples. And quite a bit is written on, on this whole topic of beliefs and, and why they're so important. And there's two quotes that I want to share with you uh, that I found, you know, that are short and snappy and captures um, uh, the thoughts and cuts to a lot of the sort of the intellectual stuff around this. Now, I, I came across a guy called Hugh McLeod. Now, he's a consultant and he has a very interesting blog called um, uh, gapingvoid.com where he posts his thoughts and he has those little cartoons of business issues on which he draws on the back of business cards. And he does this to prove that if, if an idea is clear and simple, if you can draw it on something as small as a business card, he, his idea is that this is a, a, this is a simple idea. And he wrote this, which I think is, really resonates about the importance of brand belief. We humans want to believe in our own species. And we want people, companies, and products in our lives that make it easier to do so. That is human nature. It's no longer just enough for people to believe that your product does what it says on the label. They want to believe in you and what you do. It's no longer just enough for people to believe that your product does what it says on the label. They want to believe in you and what you do. This is fundamentally what a brand belief is about. What they're saying is people ultimately want to believe in their species. Yes, they consume products, but they can consume any product. They want to connect. They want to believe, have a greater belief. You've got your product's got to do what it says, but they want to believe in you and what you're doing. You know, what are you doing that's kind of different? What are you doing that's bigger than just making products? Here's another quote that builds on that from, um, and I came across this through an another blog, theengagingbrand.com, by a lady called Anna Anna Farmery, and she runs this program, a blog and a podcast called The Engaging Brand, and she has a quote that summarizes her approach to leadership, and it says, "People will forget what you said." People for, will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. So people will forget what you said, 
People will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. And this is about, this to me again captures why having a brand belief is so important. In the end of the day, people will remember and resonate and connect with how you made them feel over the long term. So the sense of, you know, people ultimately, um, based on Hugh McCloyd, are around, you know, uh, people are looking to believe in things. And Anna saying what's important is people also remember how you made them feel. Now let's explore this a little bit more. Now, if you think about people that you admire, just think about people you admire. Now here's five people that have come up consistently, no matter where in the world I've done this, and I've asked the same question, you know, think about people that you admire. And people like Nelson Mandela, Martin Luther King, Mother Teresa, Muhammad Ali, and Mahatma Gandhi keep coming up every single time. And when I ask people why they admire them, they say that it's because through their beliefs they connected or touched them in some way. They provoke passion in them. And that's fundamentally what it's about. They, you know, they don't actually know exactly what people did. People don't know in detail what Nelson Mandela did. You know exactly what he did day for day, exactly what he said. But they know how they made, they know what he believed in, they know that he went out and did something about it, and they know how they felt about it. The same with Martin Luther King, the same with Mother Teresa, etc., etc. You know, as human beings, we respond to people and we respond to brands that believe in something and do something about it. You know, as Hugh McLeod said, we admire people who believe in something and do something about it. But importantly, as with each of these people, it's because they believed in something so, so strongly that they went out and acted on it in a way that was bold, it was distinctive, and it was different from people around them. So not only did these people believe in something, but they did something that was distinctive and it was different. And as a result, that makes us feel good. Although we don't know everything they did. And that's the point that Anna Farmery makes, is you don't remember what they did exactly, but you remember how they made them feel. Now, this is true of people who create brands. Now, while they may not be as worthy as some of the people here on this chart, but like these people, people who create brands are visionaries. They start with a belief, and they do something about it. So let's come back to those three brands I showed you earlier in the session. Apple, Virgin, and Nike. Behind each of these is a person, a visionary, a person who had some clear beliefs, which they did something about and created these, what are now, large, distinctive, and wildly admired brands. They weren't at the time. They were nothing. They were created from nothing. But they're now large, and, but they are distinctive, and they're very admired. They are, of course, um, Steve Jobs for Apple, Richard Branson for Virgin, and Phil Knight for Nike. Now, all of these three are visionaries, and they succeeded by doing things differently. Now, I would argue that actually they've done things distinctively, rather than differently as such, because the risk with just doing things differently is that you may not be relevant. And I also believe that the way and the reason they did things distinctively is because they had a fundamental belief behind their brands. Now, the best way to illustrate this is to hear directly. Now, because of time, I'm just going to really use one example, though I will come back to others. I want to talk a little bit about Steve Jobs. I came across a video clip online about a year or so ago, and I really want to play this for you to illustrate the point. It's Steve Jobs talking to his employees about Apple. Now, in the video, um, which, I'm, which I'm going to actually read rather than play, you'll, you'll hear him say that Apple is not about making products to help people do their job, although he says they do that better than most. But he says those magic words, we believe. And he's going to say that we believe people with passion can change the world for the better. But let's, this is actually what he said. He said, 
For me, marketing is about values. This is a very complicated world. It's a very noisy world. And we're not going to get a chance to get people to remember much about us. No company is. And so we have to be really clear on what we want them to know about us. Our customers want to know who is Apple. What it is what is it that we stand for? Where we fit in this world? And we are and what we're about isn't about making boxes for people to get their jobs done, although we do that well. We can do that almost better than anyone else can in some cases. But Apple is about something more than that. Apple at its core, its core value is that we believe that people with passion can change the world for the better. That's what we believe. So that's what he says. You know, Apple is like a bit like the Dorset Cyril's example. Yes, they make stuff and they do it very well. But fundamentally, it's, it has a much bigger vision. It has a much bigger belief. It believes that people with passion can change the world for the better. And then they give them the tools to do that. Now, I want to show you uh, to, to a little bit of a TV commercial that brings this idea to life that Apple made. And the reason I want to show it is not only because it brings the we believe alive, but it shows what they what, what they mean, but, but also listen to the words. There's a lot of, of what the words say applies to the whole topic of, of the session about being different. Now, I'm going to say the words and then read you the names of the people. So the, the ad says, uh, the TV ad says, here's to the crazy ones, the misfits, the rebels, the troublemakers, the round pegs and the square holes, the ones who see things differently. They're not fond of rules and they have no respect for the status quo. You can quote them, disagree with them, glorify or vilify them. But the only thing you can't do is ignore them because they change things. They push the human race forward. While some may see them as the crazy ones, we see genius. Because the people who are crazy enough to think they can change the world are the ones who do think different. And they show Einstein, Bob Dylan, Martin Luther King, Richard Branson, John Lennon, Muhammad Ali, Ted Turner, Amelia Earhart, Mahatma Gandhi, Alfred Hitchcock, Jim Henson, Salvador Dali, Picasso, and they end with a young child, obviously kind of referring to, to the future. And, you know, if you look at the, think about that list of people, each of those people themselves has a belief, and they went out and did something distinctive and bold about it, and that's what they're remembered for, and that's what they're admired for. And I really believe that the, the reason that people do distinctive things, the reason that people end up being superior, is because they're driven. They're driven by beliefs, and beliefs drive people. So if you take a look at, at Apple, for example, what has happened from that whole approach of, of, of starting with a belief? Now, Steve Jobs told his people, as we heard in the video, that we believe that people with passion can change the world. So what have his people gone on and done? Well, they've changed the world by creating themselves exciting, different, and distinctive products. Different kind of communication. You know, Apple communication is always distinctive and very different and stands out. They've also created very distinctive shopper experiences. You know, the whole Apple stores. Consumers get excited about and they communicate with them. And, and if you go online and look at how many videos and blogs and podcasts about apples, you know, people get very excited about them because they're distinctive and they're different. And they're driven ultimately by this belief. We believe that people with passion can change the world. And that's what these people do. Now, if you look at Virgin and if you look at Nike, you'll find the same thing. You know, each of those started with a belief, and this in turn inspires. So Virgin started with the sense that for too long consumers have been abused, they've been poorly treated, they've been taken advantage of by large monopolistic companies, and they come in as the David versus the Goliath, and they say, right, we're going to give you something better. So often in Virgin, you know, their fares aren't necessarily cheaper, but the whole experience is more rounded. The same with Nike. Nike started with a belief. Phil Knight started with the belief that everybody is an athlete. And that's where the sense of just do it came from. And that's why they just believed, you know, everybody has the potential to be the best they can be. And let's kind of make sure that we give them the tools to do that. 
They don't talk about we make great shoes. There's something much bigger around that. Everybody is an athlete, which is, again, why you see these very innovative, very exciting commercials that talk to people and resonate with people and include them. You know, each of them created distinctive products, each of them created distinctive communication, and each of them created distinctive shopper experiences. Now, I'm not going to go into, you know, into detail about them, but if you explore them, you'll find that the case. Now, visionaries like those three we've just heard of, and I think even the Dorset serial example, understand the importance of having an, and retaining a brand belief. And, and, you know, I believe that's the core of the success of Apple, Virgin, Nike, Dorset, Cereals, is they understand the importance of having a brand belief, something that's bigger, it's more innovative, it's more inspiring, both for their employees to go out and do something different, but ultimately for ways of talking and connecting with consumers. Yes, they have to have great products, but that comes out of that piece. Now, in recent years, I've been lucky enough to get to meet and talk to people who've actually established brands in the beauty care space all around the world, brands that have been exploding and just growing like crazy, even in the face of very fierce competition in the category with major global players like Unilever, like L'Oreal, like Procter & Gamble, like Estee Lauder, like even Johnson & Johnson. And everyone I met had one thing in common. Um, they all had a brand belief. I'm going to show you one example, because the most recent um, person I got to meet was the, the the guy, George Corres, who created the brand called Corres. Now, you may not have heard of it. It's sold in at the moment in places like Selfridges, Harvey Nichols. It's got a store in Kings Road, Glasgow, Leeds, etc. It's a brand created by a Mr. George Corres um, in a Greek pharmacy using natural ingredients that are indigenous or found in Greece. He said about six years ago, and it's now sold in about 15 countries to their own stores. He listed on the Greek Stock Exchange earlier this year for several hundred million US dollars. It's growing so fast, he's actually starting to limit growth and expansion and it was very interesting. He gave us a talk about the business and one thing that struck me as he spoke, he started his talk with the words, I'm George Corres and I believe. And throughout his presentation he kept coming back to that I believe statement and explained how that drives his approach and philosophy on formulations, packaging, communication, stores. He'd always say, I believe and then he always talk about, therefore, that's what we do with formulations. I believe, therefore, that's what we do with our packaging. I believe, therefore, that's how we do with our communication. And what you see is they have very distinctive and different packaging. They have very distinctive and different products. They have very distinctive and different stores. They have very distinctive and different communication approaches to everybody else. And they have very passionate consumers. Because everything starts with, I believe, and that's what drives my um, packaging. So, for example, um, they're... Their formulations are all natural, natural ingredients. They have efficacy testing, blah, blah. They don't make inflated promises, etc., etc., etc. And it was very interesting because this, actually this, this morning when I was was preparing for you know to go on do the talk is I was watching um, CNBC, and they're about to run a new series where they interview kind of the leaders of business, and they were doing little clips. Um, and again, they had the, you know, the Richard Bransons, et cetera, et cetera. And I noticed that in the little clips they had, almost every single one of them was talking about I believe or we believe in their little clip um, promoting that series. And I thought that was very interesting. Now, personally, I've also learned a great deal through my experience on working on the Johnson Johnson beauty care business. Sixteen years ago, Johnson Johnson had no adult skincare business and began the process of acquiring brand from visionaries who had created something distinctive um, and was doing well but lacked the resources to grow it fast and global. And one thing I soon learned was that each of these brands actually, um, it was created by a visionary and a visionary had a belief. 
And it was that belief that drove its uniqueness, and that was why it was doing well. And the key to success for each of them in their home market had been a visionary who had this belief and had a take on the world, and what they actually, all they lacked was the clown resources to expand it very fast. So that's kind of what, what we've done, and we've seen it growing, and, and just on and on and on that, that, has, that has been the case. But the question that you may be asking is, okay, I get it, but what, what if I actually don't have a belief today? What, what, if I'm, you know, what if I've been around for a while and we have this brand, and what am I going to do? Now, the first thing I want to suggest is you go back to the creation of the brand, the creator of the brand, if they're still alive or the person who created it, and find out what they believed at the time. And we've actually done that as we've acquired our brands. We've kind of gone back and done that. And your brand is likely to be successful today because they had a take on the world that originally you know, was the creation of the brand that led to its success. But can you create a belief for your brand? I think you can. We saw that in the example with Dorset Cereals, that they, you know, whatever they did is they said, right, we're going to have this belief in this idea around life's simple pleasures and that the importance of life's simple pleasures, you know, life is so busy, it's time, it's worth taking time out and, and enjoying life's simple pleasures. But you can also do a large brand. I'm going to use a, what is a relatively well-known example, but I'm going to use an example of Dove, you know, from the category that I work in. Now, Dove was a brand that, that came from a, a relatively rational place. It was milder than other soaps based on its quarter moisturizer story. That's what it said, you know, we have a quarter moisturizer. And it was doing very well. But then it adopted a belief based on a take on the marketplace that was quite against trend. And the belief they took was that for too long, media has created and projected the view about what beauty is, a view that is unrealistic and unattainable. And they celebrate real woman in the sense that, you know, media is forcing a view of, of, of what beauty is. And we disagree with that. You disagree with it. And we're going to celebrate. And they, what they do is they celebrate real woman. Now, like the other brand examples, we're seeing, you know, more and more distinctive across all the elements. And it's starting, it's, you know, it's starting to expand. It started largely as a communication-led approach. You know, PR, they had workshops, they had new copy, then online viral, including the Evolution, um, which was the 2007 Grand Prix winner. But what was very interesting is the original communication was very distinctive versus other beauty advertising because it used real women that celebrated Flaws. And we're starting to see them taking the distinctive more and more across everything now, what became a communication into products. So, for example, they've launched pro-age rather than, than, than anti-age. And what we've seen as a result of Dove moving into this space is they've stirred a lot of passion. They've stirred a lot of response, as we saw in the Dorset serial, but, but Dorset serial's example. But this is even bigger, and there's four big responses they've seen. They've seen people posting the actual ads themselves onto things like YouTube. People have taken the ads because they think they're so uh, interesting and they represent what other people believe, and they've just posted the ads on YouTube. Or they've gone back and they've had a dialogue about the belief and and um, challenged whether the belief is a, is a good one. They've challenged the product and the challenge Dove. And the other thing they've seen is huge sales uplift. So let me just talk a little bit about kind of the response. And often people get nervous with brand belief because they worry that it's always got to be a good response. But actually... You know, the discussion really is, it's about, is it creating a, a, a you know, is it actually creating a, a dialogue? So some people, for example, as they've thought about Dove and they've thought about Dove's belief and, and take on the world, is they've, they've actually argued that, in fact, the aspiration of the beautiful is a good thing. It's not a bad thing. And they've responded. So some consumers have been so inspired by that that they've actually gone and made their own sort of version. Now, if, if those of you who haven't seen the evolution, the evolution 
which won the Grand Prix this year, shows uh, a, a pretty ordinary woman with bad skin being made over both physically and then manipulated and turned into this very beautiful woman. Um, and then they, they put them on, on posters, etc. But basically showing that it was completely fake. And what some people have done is they've made a little video which shows a good-looking young man turning into a slob. And the point actually being that, you know, I hear you believe, hear what you stand for. But actually, for me, aspiration is quite a good thing. But the important thing is they've kind of got people thinking, they've got responding, they've got to think about the brand more than just, oh, yeah, I think I'm going to use that um, shampoo or not use that shampoo. Others, for example, have responded that Dove, far from celebrating real beauty, is actually you know, sells product correct and, and deal with the, the very problems that they're they're celebrating. So, you know, almost challenge them back. But let's take a look at what some, you know, if you take a look at, at YouTube, you'll find a video that has been run by some people, which kind of sort of makes the point about, uh, it's boosted another of their commercials, which was the, um, the, the, the one which is run in the Super Bowl. And they spoof that whole commercial and they talk in the, in this little in the, in the clip there about how well actually Dove you know being slightly hypocritical because they're actually making products to correct the the um, the very flaws that they are supposed to be celebrating. However, what's important is Dove stood for, you know came out and said this is what we believe that resonated with people and it's created discussion, it's created debate, it's created interest way above just simply you know selling you know lotions and potions. And what it's done is seen an incredible sales result. So if you take a look at at, at their sales dramatic increase in sales. So if you just look at the UK and you look at what Euromonitor, who tracks sales, is, it shows the brand growing at close to 18% on average per year versus a category average of around 5%. And they've grown from about $67 million to about $150 million in, in about five years. And it also shows that it came from their traditional core categories, their bath and shower, their deodorants, their skincare. But it's shown that actually through having a belief, through standing through something, this created debate, it's created interest, it's got people excited, it's got people engaged. It's had a very positive effect, even though some people have pushed back and kind of almost challenged it. What's important about a brand belief is a brand belief creates passion in your people, in your consumers, etc. Passion drives uniqueness. So if you have a brand belief, it creates passion with the people who work on the brand. That passion will drive uniqueness, and uniqueness is what makes you different. So having a brand belief will excite your people. It ultimately will excite your consumers, but it starts by creating passion. It's passion by believing in something more than just, I'm making a cereal, I'm making a computer, um, whatever. Uh, you know, It's going to drive uniqueness, and it's uniqueness that makes you different. Passion your teams will mean they innovate more, they come up with more distinctive ideas. How do you stay relevant? That's a big challenge as, as things evolve. But by So what makes you different? Hopefully in this very short session I've been able to show how readopting or adopting a brand belief for your brand is worth looking at and exploring as a key to make you different. Different in a way that will ensure you have a real long-term competitive advantage. I want to come back to some final thoughts from the Backstreet Boys. Remember, you know, what do the Backstreet uh, Boys believe? If you go back to their song, you'll find some very interesting uh, things that they said that I think wrap this up very neatly. If you remember, at the beginning I'd said the Backstreet Boys song starts with you don't run with the crowd, you go your own way. You don't run with the crowd, you go with your own way. It then goes on to say you've got your own kind of style that sets you apart. So you've got distinctiveness, you've got uniqueness. But what they say, which is very important, is what's 
there inside you shines through to me. you got something so real, you touch me so deep. What makes you different makes you beautiful to me. That's another way of saying what Anna Farmery and the Gaging Brand said when she said, people will remember you for how you make them feel. It's a, not just about your products. It's not just about what you do. It's kind of how you make people feel. What's there inside you shines through to me. You've got something so real. You touch me so deep. What makes you different makes you beautiful to me. By having a brand belief, by having something that's going to create passion both within your employees and within your, your consumers will drive uniqueness. Passion to do something different will encourage your people to think about things that are unique about the unique product experience about a unique shopper experience about unique communication experience brand belief is the key this is the unleashed on marketing podcast with gary bembridge in each podcast i draw on over 25 years of experience to look at what we can learn from a new trend marketing or advertising campaign or anything else that caught my eye. Visit GaryBembridge.com to contact me. But now it's time to get unleashed on marketing.